maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we have Pooja Gupta sending guest Woo-hoo! hosting, and we take your questions on thanking those giving donations, showing appreciation to your boyfriend's generous family, how long do you have to give a housewarming gift, and what to do when you can't remember if you've already given a wedding gift. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript about remaining calm. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, your extra question of the week is on a coworker whose constant conversation is becoming an issue at work. You can listen to your ads-free version of the show with its extra question by downloading it at awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. On your phone, download the Teachable app. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Pooja Gupta Senning. Hey, Pooja. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I love having you back. It's so fun to change it up for a week. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to be here. The stars aligned and everything worked out. I actually have childcare for Anisha. Today is her first daycare day. Or the way that I'm calling it is school. She's school. Oh, my gosh. She's one and a half years old. I took a photo of her against a chalkboard that said, (laughs) my name is Anisha. I'm one and a half, which she can say. I say, Anisha, how old are you? She says, one and a half. And it says, today is my first day of school. She's wearing her (laughs) rain boots. It is not raining, but that's one of her earliest fashion choices, and we're totally supporting it. (laughs) So, yeah, we did the drop-off. She cried a little bit. I'm a little nervous, but you know what? It's allowed me to be here. She's fine, and I'm going to pick her up, and we're going to get creamies afterwards. So I love it. I love that. Such a good Vermont first day of preschool. Oh yes, my goodness. I needed Not to bribe her. Sorry, day school, school. school. So yeah, I yeah, needed yeah. to bribe her with the creamy. <laughs> I don't think she quite understood that she was going to be there for this long or whatever. But creamy, she understands. She understands. She's a she good Vermont baby. She's a very good. I want a creamy every day, multiple <laughs> times a day, if I can, baby. I love it. Oh my goodness. That's a big day. That's a big day for you. I like that you're identifying your different parts of like, you know, I'm nervous about this, but we're excited for what's coming after. All of the above. (laughs) I mean, as a mom, you know, you take care of your little little one and you want her to be in good hands. And the idea of having her with somebody else for a half day is Mm -hmm. nerve wracking. (laughs) And at the same time. It's normal and good, and she's in good hands. So a lot comes up, and I just kind of sit through it. And again, like I said, it, it it's healthy for me. I'm here. I was going to say, we get you here, which is amazing. I, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. No, it would not have happened. <laughs> it wouldn't have. So so it's a good thing. And it's she's going to have friends, and I, I can't wait for her to you know, have people that she runs up to and hugs or 
pushes over or whatever it is they do <laughs> at this over. age to show their love and affection towards whatever each other. Whatever those things the little toddlers do, you know? <laughs> no. But yeah. That's awesome. Someone That's to awesome. share creamies with. Someone to share creamies with. In addition with. to me and her dad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of you being here, I would love your help answering some of our audience questions. Let's go for it. You up for it? Mm -hmm. All right. I like it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, please email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. And today, our first question is titled, The Worst. Hello, Awesome Etiquette. I was just at a birthday party hosted by a friend over the weekend. It was tons of fun, but it turns out that at least six people who attended got a stomach flu within 24 to 48 hours of the party. Is it appropriate to inform the host? The party was at their home, and they prepared the food, which was mostly oysters on the half shell. Any guidance would be appreciated. Ari from Los Angeles. Oh my goodness. This is the worst. That is <laughs> that pretty is, much the worst. Thing like food poisoning or the stomach flu. The only thing that I'm finding interesting here is it said within 24 to 48 hours. And mm-hmm. from, from what I know about food contamination or, or bad food, that usually comes up, I feel like, within like 12 hours or 24 hours. 48 seems a little long. I'm not a, I'm I'm not, not a yeah, doctor. I don't know these things. Me either. So, <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of... Um, 
It's it's unknown. Yeah. Was it the oysters in the half shell? Was it somebody stomach bug who had a stomach bug or what or what or the flu? Yeah. And just passed it around. And was it one of the guests, one of the kids there? We don't know. But the question is, do you tell the host? Okay, so I'm imagining that if I get sick. And I know these people I've gone to the party with. I'm going to call Susie and Frankie and be like, you guys, I just got sick. You too. <laughs> right? And so they know that six people have gotten sick. That's that's a lot. Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking the host would want to know just because it's part of the social group that you're in. And uh-huh. this is an experience that kind of you're a lot of you are having and just kind of as like a sharing and kind of knowing what's going on in the group. Right. You would tell the host. You're, you don't know. Nobody knows. So it's not like you're going to pin it on the host and go, <laughs> your oysters, <laughs> yeah. you know, that those weren't good. I could tell, <laughs> but I ate them because I felt pressured. But I mean, there's no backstory. It's just I got sick. Susie got sick. Frankie got sick. Are you sick? Are you okay? What happened? What did we do? Right? It's like very innocent. I like the kind of like we're all in it together vibe that you're giving. Why like, not? dude, what happened? We are all feeling crummy we today. We got struck are out. Are you feeling crummy today exactly. too? What is going on? Exactly. It's, it's funny, but a lot of the times when you can, instead of going the blame route, when you do that kind of wonder and curiosity and you Definitely. invite it from that perspective... People don't feel judged. They don't feel as likely to defend. They're not going to be put in a place of, well, are you saying my party was awful? It's like, no, no, we're just all sick afterwards. Yeah, it's (laughs) not about that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I do think you absolutely can bring it up with the post. I would check in with some other guests first, and I would be careful with my language, just like Pooja was doing in that great sample language that she gave, really keeping it positive and curious and more of a sharing of the experience than any kind of blame. And just whatever it is that the host's reaction is, you know, if they're not willing to take this on, don't try to force it, you know, don't try to force them to take responsibility for it, but instead say, okay, I just wanted to make sure you knew and also to check in to see if you were feeling all right. And that's really all the call actually is. Yeah. Because um, nobody knows. No one knows. I yeah. do think, though, that it is it is good to know the time frames because of that idea of food contamination. It might good help call, narrow down, it? like, where it came from or right. if there was a caterer or someone at the event. Definitely. You would definitely want to be talking about that with any vendor that you hired. So I'd feel confident as the host. Think of it as, like, you're gathering information and then you're going to be able to make a decision about whether you talk to the vendor about it or not. Definitely. Good call. So, Ari, go ahead, give a call to your host, and don't worry about a thing. Everything's fine. You're going to feel better. And enjoy the oysters next time. You see, it is quite possible for you to have germs in your body which don't make you sick at all. But if those germs get from your hands to the hands of someone else, he may not be so able to resist the germs as you are. He may become sick. Our next question is about charitable gratitude. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm raising money for an Alzheimer's charity walk I'm doing in October. Any good ideas for a thank you to those who donated? I want to send a card. Should I send cards as I get donations or after the event? Anything else small or necessary to give? Thanks. So I think that getting a thank you card or an email or a text, some kind of recognition right after 
you send in a donation feels really good. I am with you. A thank you right after that donation happens is really good. And depending on the service or the way that you're collecting donations, Mm -hmm. that might be a handwritten note. It might be a text or a phone call or it might be automated through the donation service. But I think you want that touch base point no matter what. I completely agree. It gives that person the feeling that the money's been received, it's been recognized, and that's what you want to know. Um, As someone who's donating to a cause and probably somebody you know, you're giving this money to somebody you know. So you really want to know that they received the money. You're getting that social recognition. (laughs) I gave you money for your Alzheimer's walk, right? Aren't I doing a good thing? I really love you and I really want to support this good cause. But there is that kind of aspect of being recognized for your good work. Yeah. And it's it's important to to express that gratitude. I also think that the follow-up isn't a bad idea. After the event, you know, you can put together a couple of pictures, almost like a little one-page newsletter or something. It can let people uh, who donated know how much was actually received in the end, maybe even where it's going to, or some highlights from the event, something like that. And then you can also express your gratitude. You can always include a second personal note with that. But it's almost like an announcement after a graduation, but it's an announcement after a after a charitable event. <laughs> that would be amazing if I received like some photos or information about the walk right afterwards. Not only did I know that I the money was received, but now the walks happened and it was successful. Yeah. And I contributed to something bigger and we raised this much money in total. And th- I can see everyone smiling and running across the finish line. Like, <laughs> totally. That is a great feel good thing. And if you can share it, it might take a little bit of time to put that piece together. But any way that that could be done would be wonderful. And it could be sent out to everybody en masse. Absolutely. And like you said, a little personalized note always kind of is a nice touch. Absolutely. Anonymous, we hope that helps, and good luck with the walk. We hope you guys raise a lot of money. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Our next question is titled, Really Showing Appreciation, and it comes to us from Melissa via voicemail. I had a question about ideas for thank you gifts. So I've been invited uh, by my boyfriend's family on a trip to Europe this summer, Um, and it's actually really special because it's a girl's trip, so he's not even invited, and this is the third trip abroad that they've invited me on. Now, in the past, I was in college, so I have usually gotten um, his grandmother, who's paying for my flight, my hotel, the excursions, everything. I usually get her a nice bouquet of flowers, a little bit above and beyond, and get her something really special to show my appreciation. Now, every time I ask his family or him for ideas of what to get her, they kind of dismiss me and tell me to not worry about it. But I really want to do something that shows my appreciation and something a little more personal than just flowers and a note. But I'm not super close with her, so I don't know what she likes or, you know, what she would appreciate receiving. So I just need some ideas on gifts that would show my appreciation for her not only inviting me on this trip, but um, treating me to everything along the way as well, and also just for the family in general for kind of taking me in as one of their own. 
So any ideas would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Thank you very much. Have a great day. I love this question, Pooja, because deep down, we all so badly want for our appreciation to be received at the same level that Mm -hmm. we are feeling the gratitude that's inspiring it. Right. It's that feeling of, oh, my gosh, people have gone so far above and beyond and, and included me in something that I never would have gotten to do otherwise. And... And spent all this money. Yeah, and time and just – and it's overwhelming. You're never going to be able to, to like, return that in quite the same way that you are experiencing it. And that is okay. Well, and it's not like you want to make it transactional. Exactly. Is it like grandma gave me $5,000 worth of energy, time, money, trip – I need to give $5,000 back of exactly. energy, time, money, life no, no, experience. No. Exactly. No, it's not a tit for tat in that kind of way. We really have to get over the thought of my thanks is not enough. Yeah. When our listener brought up things like sending flowers and saying thank you and writing the note, those honestly were the first two things I thought of for the ways that you should express gratitude to this person. So she's already doing the she- right Kind of appropriate level or way, a symbol of showing exactly, thank you. Exactly. I feel like this grandma is is clearly able and, and of the means or of the connections one way or the other to create this experience for all the ladies in the family. And I think that it is – to me that sounds like someone who – it's very hard to find those perfect gifts for these folks. You know, they often have everything. They can get the things they want and need right. for themselves. What they really love to do is to give to others and create wonderful experiences, and they get a lot of joy out of that. And and, and get the joy from other people experiencing joy because of them, right? The gift. They want, they want to see you happy. Yes, exactly. And it's really important to... Um, not feel like we are less than in our expressing of gratitude when we have someone like that in our lives. Mm. I have a friend who just does above and beyond trips for a whole group of us, and it is really wonderful, and I feel very blessed and very grateful for those trips. I often feel just like our listener. I don't know how to repay him for this. And so I try and think of things like, well, you know, he'll send a text message that's like, my goal is to make you all smile. And so my thank you was I took a bunch of selfies and moments of everyone smiling and a picture of that text message. And I sent those to him in a little photo album. Oh, and that's I, beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, goal accomplished. Like we were all smiling. Oh, you know what I mean? Great. So you can think of things like that if that kind of an opportunity presents. Um, another thing is to, to listen when you're on the trip to think things grandma says maybe she says something like oh i love turkish delight like then you know what maybe it's the flowers and some turkish delight and uh, you know in the note you include and you say i remember you mentioning you loved this or you know i once gave a hair clip to someone that has everything because she had tried on my hair clip and said that she loved it and so it's try to look for those little moments those little personal things that show that you really appreciate that person also not necessarily monetarily a, a gift that's a huge amount of money, but really a gift that shows that you really care about them also. And you listen and you mm-hmm. pay attention, that sort of thing. Yeah. I really would suggest making sure that your thank you note um, talks about some of the highlights of the trip, some of the things you really loved and appreciated. 
but I think that the note, some flowers, and maybe if you find the opportunity for something else, that that's wonderful. But I think you're really covered on the note and the flowers and just being a positive participating member of this trip and this family. And it sounds like y'all have a wonderful connection and that this is a really beautiful family experience. So Melissa, go forth and have fun. Vacation, that wonderful American institution of going new places and doing new things. And here's a tip. One bag holding toilet articles, pajamas, and a change of light clothing for the entire family can save a lot of unpacking and repacking. Our next question is titled, How Long for a Housewarming Gift? Hey, Awesome Etiquette, say a friend or family member purchases and moves into a new home. How long is the time frame to give a housewarming gift? Been wondering about this for a while. Thanks, Brandon from the PNW. Pacific Northwest. Hi, Brandon. Thanks so much for writing in. You know, truly, you can send or give a housewarming gift at any point. I know a lot of people who throw their housewarming parties, like, really late. Like, Well, so, and it takes a bit late. of time to just get settled, especially when you've moved into a new place. you got to get furniture. you got to get a you bed. Guys blah, blah, blah. I felt like you guys were, like, moved in within, yeah. like, a month. And you had a baby that month too. Yeah, that was that was a jam packed month. And then, but I feel like it was like not that long after that you had everybody up and we all got to see the new place. And... I know, but it was Christmas and it was family, so we had to do it. That's true. That's true. Well, I mean, we didn't have to, but we. It was you know an what opportunity. It was, it was an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, don't do this at home. It's not a good idea. But we did it. I'm just saying. Don't do this at home. <laughs> but anyway, most people aren't like that, yeah. and they shouldn't be, and that's good. And so whenever you see them, you can bring a housewarming present, and that's okay. Absolutely. Um, you can even make a joke of it if it's like a year later. Right. Say, you know, I never got you a housewarming gift, and I really wanted to, so I thought I'd bring this over tonight. And a little bit Happy of honesty. Home. Yes, goes a far way. You're acknowledging, yep, it's it been does. two years later, and I still haven't even uh, given I love you a how much it removes the awkwardness immediately when that yes. happens. It's you just recognize that, that this is it, you and know? And you clear the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, most people aren't holding it over you that you haven't given a housewarming gift. It's not something that that hosts and new homeowners or people who have just moved to a new home. It's not something that they expect when you walk through the door the first time. Good to know. Yeah, that's one key element. I think we've started to see registries for housewarming gifts. Uh, uh-uh, oh. this is like not the idea behind this type of move or experience in life. It's okay. much more about warming the space with mm. your presence and making it feel like your home. That's why it's a housewarming. It's like, it's not your home yet until you've kind of like set it up and friends and family have come over and you have that experience. So trust that your hosts aren't sitting around going, okay, so... You know, Brandon hasn't gotten us anything yet. Right. Brandon, we hope that that's both inspirational and helps you relax about housewarming gifts. Our next question comes from Emily, and it's titled, Did we give you a wedding gift? And it also comes with a little piece of feedback about the accessible bathroom stall issue from episode, I believe, 204. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I wanted to thank you for your wonderful show, and I had a wedding gift question that I never heard answered. I got married this summer, and 
we have been a bit disorganized and there's a million weddings besides ours and we can't remember if we gave our friends a wedding gift or not and I looked at my email and I can't figure it out. Is there a polite way to ask someone whether you gave them a gift because we'd really like to make sure that they get one because we love them. So the other thing that I was calling about is I am paralyzed. I use a wheelchair and I think you are spot on on the handicap restroom question. It definitely doesn't bother me when someone's in the restroom just using it, at, you know, because all the stalls are full if they're not going to take forever. One thing that I do when there's a long line is I will wait in the line until I'm in the bathroom and the number of people in front of me is about equal to the number of stalls, and then I will go to the handicapped stall and wait specifically for that one, and other people, even people behind me, will get into the other ones first. So thanks for your podcast. Bye. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this is me this summer where it's like it's not that so many weddings are happening, but uh-huh. so much work is happening Yeah, that I am starting to not remember. Oh, shoot. Did I send Cousin Jill a wedding gift? I know I got her this for the shower, but did I do the wedding gift? And I'm realizing right now I haven't and I need to get that to her. Right. right. Um, but it's that feeling of, oh, my gosh, did I? Didn't I? And it's so easy to just ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think, would you feel bad if anyone called you up after the wedding and was like, hey, I got to be honest, things have been a little complex this summer. I cannot remember if I sent you a wedding gift or not. And I really want to send you a wedding gift. Not Help at me. all. <laughs> if someone said that to me, I would just be grateful that they were thinking about me and that they were able to talk to me in a really kind of simple, honest way. There's no formality. Like, they're just asking. Totally. Like, so the I last thing in my that. mind would be to judge them for it. Like, no, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy. I mean, yeah. you know, either they gave me a gift and I get to go, oh, right, you gave me this. And we have to, we get a conversation about <laughs> and it. And then you're going, and now I'm remembering I have to thank you for it. Exactly. You <laughs> exactly. There's these things that both parties need to do. So it's, you know, you're probably both feeling it to some degree. So so talking about it is, once again, it clears the air. Plus, I think it's easier for the couple because if they are sitting around doing their thank you notes and you haven't sent them a gift, then they're sitting there wondering, well, so do we do the thing where we just thank them for coming? Like, do we let her know she didn't send something? We get that question on the show a lot. But so I think it helps the couple to not feel the pressure of having to ask about it. And of course, as we all know, the answer to that is that the couple doesn't need to ask about it. It's it just is what it is. And you send the thank you note saying thank you for, for coming. coming. And then yeah. the guests can speak up if they're like, hey, did you actually get my gift? And then you know what, what's going on. And if they don't speak up, then you know they didn't send something probably. Right. But the, the reverse of this that our listener Emily is feeling, I would not worry about Emily. Just mm-hmm. I would say call your friend, ask. This is a really easy one. This could happen to anybody, even if it isn't a million weddings this summer, including your own. Um, can we jump to the feedback that Emily also gave about the accessible stalls? Yeah. I loved that strategic idea of that you'll move to the front of the line once there's enough stalls for everyone who's who's sort of standing in that initial portion or who's who's standing in line with you. What a way to be fair I and to still so. also take care of yourself. Yes, I thought it was like considerate and yes. like you said, good for self really too. Really brilliant. Awesome. I have loved everyone's feedback on the accessible bathroom issue. I think that it has been really fascinating, and I've been so happy to hear so many people speaking up. 
So thank you, Emily. Go ahead, give your friend a call and clear the air and, and get her a present if you need to. And if not, sit back and relax. You've already done the work. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or please find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. And we recently took a question about couples making plans as individuals. And Anne had some useful feedback for those couples trying to make solo plans and handle the coordination of their schedules. Hello, I wanted to make a suggestion in regards to couples making separate plans. I am really fond of using a shared calendar app when making these separate plans. It helps keep both of us in the loop, and some of the apps can be set up to send an alert when another user adds an event to the calendar. No big discussion of plans, but it keeps everyone up to date easily. Smiley face, best Anne. I love this because you can go back and check easily. It's not like you have to search through a list of text messages to try and find what someone was up to. It's very organized. Right there. Mm -hmm. I dig it. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Anne. And here is Ariel. She had some uh, feedback for our segment about cell phone etiquette. She says, hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to give a little feedback about my experience with your postscript segment about cell phone etiquette. The particular rudeness I see in myself, as much as others, is what Catherine Price and her book, How to Break Up with Your Phone Calls Fubbing, a.k.a. the portmanteau of phone and snubbing. That's funny. (laughs) This is the action. No ringer or alarm has gone off, and yet the siren song of the phone is too loud, although silent, and suddenly you're on your phone in a social situation. I see my friends and coworkers doing it. We're talking, riding in a car, in a meeting, etc., and someone's just scrolling on their phone. No texting, no talking, just scrolling. I think part of why so many people don't think they're being rude is that they don't realize that they're on their phone. Whenever I catch myself doing it, it's mystifying. This is in all caps, by the way. (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) I will be having a social interaction, and then suddenly, poof, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, or the like. At least for myself, I've unintentionally trained my brain to be constantly checking something because perhaps there might be a notification I missed. Catherine Price's recommendation for untraining this behavior is to do quote-unquote fasts, (laughs) P-H-A-S-T-S, a.k.a. a phone fast, and not let yourself look at your phone or use your phone or even if you get a notification. It's hard, but it's worth it if it will help me be less rude. Thanks for the podcast, and sorry about the long feedback. (laughs) Sincerely, Ariel. Ariel, thank you. Thank you. I'm not such a fan of the portmanteaus, but I do do like the idea of putting your phone down. When I choose to watch a movie or something with a friend, I try to put my phone out of reach. Sometimes still do need to reply to messages that are coming in, especially if I'm on duty for work or something like that. But it's really nice to to be able to put it far enough away that you don't end up scrolling on Pinterest or Instagram or something like that while you're watching a movie with a person that you're supposed to share the experience with. Yes. Like an actual person. <laughs> Who's physically Who's with you. In the flesh. Oh, my. That's so 1950. How dare we go there? No, great feedback, Ariel. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And on today's Postscript, we decided to talk about remaining calm. So, Pooj, I was so excited to have you here to talk and get your professional opinion on the idea of calming down. So Mm. many of our listeners write in and they talk about how they they love the the feeling that the show gives them and they feel more prepared to think first before they act but right. we all have those people or those moments in our life that are more triggering mm. and i know that i am not some you know amazing balancer of my emotions on a constant <laughs> basis like we're trying half the all time of i us. feel I'm at the mercy of them <laughs> like and yeah. but i have noticed over the past few years and especially since working at emily post mm-hmm. and and spending time talking about consideration, respect, and honesty all the time. The the skills of patience and listening come up a lot in trying to calm myself down so that I can have those moments of consideration, respect, and honesty with someone else. And, you know, it's funny how much it takes to have a successful moment when things are stressful. But what can we talk about some of the strategies that you and I have thought of over the years and also just that you know as a as a therapist sure. yeah <laughs> that can help folks in those really difficult triggering moments you know one thing i think about is is actually an example from anger management mm-hmm. people who struggle with anger and one of the most effective ways to deal with that emotion is to and probably any emotion to be honest is to first recognize it ah just to label it see so you're in a social interaction Someone does something that triggers your angry part, and that part comes up roaring. (laughs) And just to notice and say, oh, there's anger. That's it. Just that simple. It gives you a little space so that you aren't angry. It's there's anger and there's you. There's some separation between you and your part, your angry part that's coming up. And so noticing it and labeling it can be really helpful. That is awesome. And I love where you're talking about the separation and that just labeling it can allow you to be a little different from it, even though it's what you're feeling. It's what you're experiencing. It's part of you, but it's not all of you. I love that. I love that. even here's another extension. This may or may not be appropriate at any given social conversation. Sure. But a suggestion is speaking for your part, but not from your part. And I'll give you an example. So to say part of me is angry that you didn't do the dishes as opposed to I can't believe you didn't do the dishes whereas I am expressing full on all of the anger in my being and it's all of me I can't believe you didn't do the dishes and I'm saying in an angry way and you're adding a whole like the difference I I wish we were on video right now because the difference physically in how you express that and said it it was much more threatening. I would have yes. felt more scared of you yes. in that moment as opposed to you saying, you know, part of me is really angry about this. Exactly. I like the fact that labeling the part of you that's really angry about this lets you also say part of me is really angry about this, but I want to focus on or but I want to hear, but I 
want to take time. Yes. There's like sort of a you can insert the next step mm-hmm. after you've identified that part of you is angry. And There's I really just more love space. That. Right? There is. Yeah. yeah. The angry part hasn't taken over the whole body, the whole voice. It hasn't taken over the whole situation. And now the other person has a little room also to offer what it is that they want to say. You know, I understand that that part of you is angry. Yeah. And they also have room from the the physical, you know, all the other thing, the signals that you were sending when you gave the angry example that's using all of you being angry as opposed to part of you being angry. Yeah. It makes a big difference when I don't also have to process the shaking body or yes. the blood, you know, the eyes bulging out yes, or the, the or nostrils flaring, yes. you know. Yes. So, like, so much yeah, of our, our – There's uh, a lot of space there. There is a lot of space there. And I think that's really wise to, to notice, Lizzie, the, the actual bodily experience, the physical – as Dan calls it, the time capsule that we move around in. <laughs> and if you can actually um, notice what's happening in your body mm-hmm. – and give it a little space once again. That's another way to be calm. So something as simple as dropping your shoulders and noticing that you're breathing or feeling your feet on the ground. Oh, these were, these were the grounding techniques you were yes. teaching me. Yes. Just that simple action will allow you to be calm. And it's, it's impossible for you to be angry if your breath is calm. It's just the truth. I'm like breathing slowly and quietly over here. Yeah, just Just taking a breath. Just inhale, exhale. And the key is doing that in the moment. And how do we learn any practice or patterning is just to do it. To try it. I remember the other night I had something that's a trigger for me come up. And... It's a powerful trigger, and so the I, I knew the feelings I was starting to feel, and I was able in that moment to say, wait a minute, what if I just thought this instead? Now, that moment happened. It wasn't big enough to carry through the entire situation. It didn't magically fix. It wasn't like a miracle moment. Right. But it was different because... This time I had that one moment of what if my reaction sounded different? What if I not just thought this but also was able to speak it from a place of being genuine? So, you know, rather than, oh, I'm so mad that, you know, this interruption is happening, it's, oh, I wonder what that person's calling about or, oh, I wonder how their day went. And that can be a way to start to reprogram that immediate frustrated feeling into one that's more productive and easier for you to then process and live with, too. Yeah, I think the quality that you described was curiosity. Yeah, that's the one I like. Yes. <laughs> like going to curiosity. Yes, is... it's such a lifesaver. Well, and it's easier than just saying go to being happy for someone it's, or that's hard. or go to not being mad. Yes. It's like how do you not be mad? Yes, Pooja, I love this, the idea of creating a little space by identifying the part of you that's angry Mm -hmm. and also a few grounding techniques to give yourself space and to allow you to present yourself in a way that's going to let the other person be able to receive you and and not feel quite so... um, Triggered, maybe? Yeah. No, triggered is a great word for it. Mm -hmm. It's hard to create the space for patience and and listening, but I love these tools and thank you so, so much for sharing them with our audience. My pleasure. 
We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we hear from Emily. I'm calling because I want to give an awesome etiquette salute to all the people that open doors for me every single day. So I use a manual wheelchair, and it can sometimes be a struggle to get through doors, especially heavy ones, but even ones that it's not a struggle to get through, I always appreciate when someone holds them for me. And I want to give a special shout-out to all the people at Ikea. On Sunday, I went by myself, and I had a lady help find me a spot at a table and then even went and got water and utensils for me, even though she totally didn't have to do that. And someone helped me get my cart out to the car from the register. So I really appreciate the help. And navigating the world in a wheelchair is not always the easiest, but it sure is a heck of a lot easier when so many awesome people go out of their way to be polite and helpful. Thank you. Emily, thank you for sending in your question, your feedback, and your salute. We are so happy to be able to share them on the show. Thank you so much for participating. And thank you to everyone who is taking notice and holding doors. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. By phone, leave us a message or text us at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at Daniel underscore Post and at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Thanks, Chris. Chris.